0: Welcome into a Monday edition of the podcast. Hope you all are doing fantastic. Hope you all had a great weekend wherever you might be. Plenty to get to ahead on this episode of Locked on Cougars. We continue our look back at BYU football history with a look at the 1988 season for the Cougars. The groundwork laid for one of the great individual quarterback careers in BYU history that year. We'll examine that. We'll also continue our position previews talking about BYU's running backs. They have their top two backs returning and a very very, very deep squad overall at running back. What do we expect? We'll talk about that as well. And of course, get you some more updates on everything else going on in BYU sports news. An expected uh, commitment coming today as well for the BYU men's basketball program. We'll get to all of that ahead on today's show. It's all brought to you today by our good friends over at Locked on NBA. NBA draft goat Chad Ford, Locked on NBA draft host Raphael Barlow, and Locked on NBA host John Corrales will be live this year covering the NBA draft for the Locked On Podcast Network. It's Locked On NBA Draft 2021 brought to you by Bilt Bar. Get local expert analysis on each pick. Follow Locked On NBA on YouTube today and watch our great coverage July 29th beginning at 5 o'clock Mountain Time. All right, without further ado, let's dive in on a Monday. This is the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 19th, 2021. What's up, everybody? I'm Jay Catch, your host here on Locked On Cougars, your resident BYU insider. I work for the Zone Sports Network in Salt Lake City, Utah. Thank you again for taking some time to join us right here on your daily podcast, Focus on All Things BYU, with the Locked On Cougars podcast. A quick reminder for you guys, as so we begin the week this week, welcome back to the quote-unquote season of ahead for BYU football. Many of you probably have noticed we've been going five days a week with this podcast, but funny enough, we only had to go three days a week. Uh, the Locked On Podcast Network gave us what we called our off season, but I wanted to make sure you guys had the best coverage around, so I decided to keep going five episodes a week despite not having to. So welcome back, I guess, officially to five episodes a week, even though we did not change that at all right here on the podcast. Another quick reminder for you guys, please make sure you follow the show wherever you might be listening in from. Also, leave us a rating and review really uh, kind of stagnant at asking for you guys to leave those five-star ratings as well as reviews on Apple Podcasts. If you don't mind doing so, Please leave those, and it's pretty simple to do. Rate it five stars. Leave us a comment or two which you like about the show, which you see improve, whatever it might be, and let us know how we can uh, help you guys best with the podcast. We love talking with you guys every single day. All right, getting going here on a Monday. Let's continue on with the position previews today. We're going to talk about running backs here today on the show. This is a position group, folks, that I am extremely excited for, if I'm being honest. You bring back your top two uh, contributors at the running back position for 2022. Tyler Algier coming off a thousand yard season really a breakout star will only be, uh, technically be a sophomore this year despite having played an entire season last year but uh, very very good running back 5 foot 11 220 pounds he'll be the 1a to the 1b that is Lopini Katoa Katoa 6 foot 1 210 pounds very much more of a what would you call a multifaceted back. Algiers more of the true one-cut, get up the field, put your shoulder down, run people over, whereas Lopini Katoa is a guy who very much can catch the ball out of the backfield, can pick up tough yards when needed, but also can work on the edges. And that's what makes, I think, this duo so effective. And that is why I think BYU's offense actually is going to fall off that badly this year, at least in my personal opinion. I really think that they have an opportunity here, the running backs this year, to be the linchpin that makes this offense go. If they get effective, uh, an effective rushing attack this year, you're going to watch BYU's offense have another big year because whoever the quarterback might be, I still think it's going to be Jaron Hall, they have that safety blanket of having running backs to take the pressure off of them. And it's always good when you have your top two backs returning, but it's just not two guys that can contribute for BYU. You have guys like Miles Davis, who showed some things in garbage time last year, a guy who is a converted wide receiver, still very much learning a position I feel position, I feel like, but a guy who can contribute nonetheless. Also, you have Sone Finao, a guy who I thought was going to be the future of the position before he suffered a knee injury in 2019 that really precluded him from getting the proper offseason you would have expected him to need to have a big season in 2020. He came back late in the season, was hampered, just trying to get himself back into shape. But that's what I like about Sione now. He's had the time now to get himself back into playing shape and I expect him to take on a bigger role for BYU in 2021 also on the roster you got different guys on this roster who can contribute jackson mcchesney declared himself fit on social media about two weeks ago he was suffering uh, from a liz frank injury that he suffered in that navy game during the 2020 season good to hear that he has been cleared to resume football activities that is going to be beneficial because he's a guy who's got legit track speed javel brown another guy who's got plenty of speed out of san diego still technically a freshman And also, one guy that I'm excited for is Hinkley Ropati. Hinkley Ropati, 5'10", 210 pounds, might be the most physically um, imposing figure on BYU's roster because he looks like a superhero. He has got muscles coming out of every part of his body, and this is not meant to sound weird, but he is just jacked. If you see him, if you see Hinkley-Ropati, you'll know exactly what I'm talking about. He's a former transfer from Cerritos College, came to BYU late uh, in the summer last year, then suffered an ACL injury, uh, has recovered pretty much from that. So the running back position for BYU in 2021 is going to be extremely deep, folks. I am so excited for it. And I think I left names out. I left names out like Theo Dawson, Mason Fakahua. Uh, Who else did I miss? Uh... Faka Osi Nazilai, also on the list, could be playing running back. Also a guy who potentially could be playing linebacker. And also Bo Robinson, another, tran- another walk-on from up in the Logan area at Mountain Crest High School. So there is a ton of talent at running back for BYU this year. Will they have the right bodies? Will they have the, uh, will they have the right, uh, what am I trying to say? The, the, the amount of reps that they need to get all the guys to be satisfied with their roles. I don't know about that. But the good news is you have plenty of bodies. You have plenty of talent at this position. I think it's absolutely going to be a strength of BYU's offense. Maybe the chief strength of their offense is this running back position. I mean that sincerely because the wide receivers, good. Offensive line, rebuilding a little bit, reloading a bit. Tight ends, very, very deep as we've already chronicled here on the podcast last week. But, I really think this running back position could be the true chief strength of this offense and when you have a good running game it makes everything so much easier for an offense and I expect BYU's running game to be very very talented but uh, one guy by the way to pay attention to as I mentioned a uh, name I mentioned late Mason Fakahua expect him to take on an interesting role more of a Mason Wake type of a role they list him at running back uh, for Fakahua but he'll probably play more of that position that H back slash position similar to Mason Wake that's uh, kind of what I understand is he's kind of taking on that role? He's a different type of player than Mason Wake, but Wake very effective in his own role at fullback—a guy as we all like to call him, Air Wake—very capable of jumping over guys, but also contributing in a multiple facet, multifaceted role. I think that's similar to what you're going to see from uh, Mason Fakahua this year for BYU. So once again, very very deep uh, position group. I am so excited to see them out there on the field. And as I said, this could be the strength, the, the the biggest strength for uh, BYU's team is that running back position. Alright, coming up here in just a minute, we'll continue our look back at BYU football history, talking about the 1988 season for the Cougars. What happened that year What that laid the ground for one of the great individual quarterback careers in BYU history? We'll get to all of that here in just a moment. Today's show is brought to you by our good friends over at Built Bar, my friends. Absolutely love this company. They're the best tasting protein bars ever, and I mean that sincerely. I... Uh, honestly i crave built bars i saw some chatter on social media over the weekend that some people love them some people not so big a fan you know what i am a huge fan of built bars what i love about built bars they're delicious but also healthy for you guys the macros and built bars let's run them down real quick between 17 or 18 grams of protein calorie ranges from 130 to 180 calories that's extremely low only four to five grams of sugar and only four to five grams of net carbs amazing flavors all of them tasty all of them healthy. Some of my favorite flavors. My favorite of all time is Cherry Barcia. I mean that sincerely. Peanut Butter Brownies, absolutely delicious. Also a big fan of the orange flavor. And the strawberry flavor, by the way, is an underrated flavor. I know it doesn't sound quite like one that would be very good. It's actually quite good. So give them all a shot, folks. Get to Built.com right now. Use the promo code LOCKED15 while you're there, by the way, and save yourself 15%. That's Built.com, B-U-I-L-T.com. Your promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off your Next order. Once again, built.com, promo code LOCK15, and get enjoying the best tasting protein bars with Built Bar. All right, my friends, today's show is brought to you by First Colony Mortgage. BYU fans are very familiar with a certain championship team out of Provo from 1984, but there was another championship team that got its start in Utah County that very same year, and that is First Colony Mortgage. First Colony Mortgage is a full-service mortgage lender, so that means from beginning to end, everything is being taken care of by the First Colony team. Zach Hicken is our loan officer at First Colony Mortgage for you, our listeners, right here on Locked on Cougars. Any financing you might need for your home, Zach will take care of you, and I mean that he will take care of you, because guess what? I'm going to check up on him. Check it out, guys. Whatever you might want to do, whether you're looking to get into a new home, capitalize on your home's equity with a cash-out refinance, or you just want to take advantage of the low rates that are still available, Zach will be there to walk you through every step of the loan process. You can contact Zach directly at 801-380-0752. Once again, 801-380-0752, or check him out at hickenhomeloans.com. Hicken is spelled H-I-C-K-E-N. Hickenhomeloans.com. That's Zach Hicken. NMLS two zero five two two one six. First Colony Mortgage. NMLS three one one two. First Colony Mortgage is an Equal Housing Lender. Trust the First Colony team. I want you guys to take advantage of everything they can offer to you guys. That's First Colony Mortgage, a proud partner with us here on Locked On Cougars. Continuing on now with our 100 seasons of BYU football countdown, we finished off last Friday at 1987, so today we turn the page and look at 1988 for the BYU football program, and one thing I failed to note in 1987 is there was a certain plucky young freshman who arrived on campus in Provo that year by the name of Ty Detmer. And there's a famous story from Lavelle Edwards. Many of you probably have heard it, but maybe some of you haven't. That Ty Detmer, his uh, stats—he was the high school player of the year in the state of Texas. Rewrote the record books, running the offense essentially the BYU was running in the college game playing for his father Sonny Detmer down there in the greater San Antonio area but the interesting thing about it was uh, you had Lavelle Edwards talking about the fact like based on everything that had been accomplished by Ty Detmer during his prep career he was expecting as he said John Elway to walk through the door and all of a sudden a guy who looks like Pee Wee Herman is standing there and it's nothing against Ty Detmer. Let's be clear about that. But going into the 1988 season, Ty Detmer was just a freshman. But obviously, with all the accolades he had accumulated, there was some expectation that he would begin to move up the depth chart. And that's exactly what he did in 1988. The season started out in not so savory fashion, losing at Wyoming 24-14 to for the Cougars up there in Laramie. Uh, too bad Lavella didn't have another fun comment about how he'd rather uh, lose and live in pro than win and live in Laramie but you know he I think learned his lesson from that incident but also after that BYU got on a roll they did take on number 19 Texas in Provo for their home opener on September 8th 1988 and absolutely steamrolled the Longhorns 47 to 6 now going into the season Sean Covey was expected to be the guy at quarterback and for the first part of the season he absolutely was the guy for BYU they followed that up that that win over Texas up with a win against UTEP and Cougar Stadium. Funny enough, BYU had a thing, let's see, one, two, three, four, five, is it six home games in a row? Five home games in a row this season. Crazy to think about, but they hosted UTEP, won that game 31-27, to one of the closer games between the Cougars and the Miners. Followed that up a week later with a, oh, excuse me, two weeks later, a win over Utah State, 38-3. Then crushed Colorado State, 42-7, finishing off their long homestand. That doesn't happen in sports very often. when you get five straight home games against TCE winning that game thirty one to eighteen. So BYU is off and rolling as they're in the midway through point of the season in the middle of October. They sit at five and one. Their only road game of the year so far they did lose, but the five home games they've had, they won them. Then BYU went on the road to Hawaii, won that game in a thriller twenty four to twenty three. Then their win streak continued with a win over New Mexico sixty five to nothing. Crazy enough. But then the back half of the schedule is where BYU struggled a little bit. They went to San Diego State, ranked number 20 in the country. Obviously, when you hit seven and one, the nation's going to take note. Especially when you smack a team like New Mexico, 65 to nothing. But then they went to Jack Murphy Stadium, lost that game, 27 to 15. Followed that up with a win at Air Force in Falcon Stadium, 49 to 31, and then a stunner. Utah, they go to Rice Stadium, and Utah absolutely lays the wood to BYU, 57 to 28. Many of you will recall during this era, BYU very rarely lost to Utah, and was not anything to be expected when you Utah blows you out. But that's exactly what the Utes did this year, fifty-seven to twenty-eight. And it got BYU in a little bit of a spiral because their final game of the season, they actually traveled. They had a two-week break, I think, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they had a two-week break before going December third to face off against number two Miami, Florida, in the Orange Bowl in Miami. Lost that game, got pummeled, forty-one to seventeen. We all know what happened in nineteen ninety in the return trip from Miami to Provo. We'll talk about. that that on Wednesday's edition of the podcast, just kind of a heads up for you guys on that, but then they finished up the year going to the Freedom Bowl, taking on Colorado in Anaheim Stadium, down there in Anaheim, California, and Ty Detmer comes off the bench in this game to rally BYU to a thrilling 20-17 victory to down the Buffaloes, bringing BYU's overall record to 9-4 on the year, but uncharacteristically, BYU as a team though, finished in a tie for third place in the WAC. Wyoming won the conference 11 two. Overall, they were 8-0 on the season in WAC play. Uh, UTEP, funny enough, had a big season. Ten wins in their own right. They go 6-2. Then Hawaii and BYU tied at 5-3 for third place in the conference. BYU finishes at 9-4. But that MVP honors that Ty Detmer earned in that Freedom Bowl win kind of set the framework kind of as a glimpse of of what to expect from Ty Detmer as his career began to unfold. He would go into 1989 as the guy at quarterback for BYU. Uh, Sean Covey had uh, split time with Ty throughout the year. Some injury concerns also allowed Ty to get extra playing time during the 1988 season, but overall in the year, funny enough, you know they actually tied in terms of touchdown to interception ratio as a as a duo? Ty Detmer, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Sean Covey, 13 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Sean Covey, though, had more than twice the amount of yardage, 2,607 yards as compared to just 1,252 yards for Ty Detmer, but we all know what Ty Detmer will go on to do over the next three seasons for BYU as a sophomore, junior, and senior, uh, capping his career in illustrious fashion. There's, fashion, there's no doubt about it with that Heisman Trophy, but we'll talk about more about that as we progress through uh, these different seasons. Other players of note from this year included Bob Davis with an absolutely insane 148 tackles for BYU, also had five sacks, I think it was actually the team high for him, five pass breakups, 10 quarterback hits, he was a man amongst boys on defense for BYU this season. Also, Fred Whittingham led the Cougars in rushing with 513 yards, followed closely by Matt Bellini, who had 488 yards. In the receiving department was Chuck Cutler's time to shine for BYU, 1,039 yards and 10 touchdowns great season for him. Matt Bellini added to his 488 rushing yards with 786 receiving yards as well as four touchdowns. So some big seasons for both of those players. The one place they really struggled though was in the kicking department. Earl Kaufman and Jason Chaffetz split time kicking field goals for BYU. Neither one of them very, very effective at all. Earl Kaufman hit 5 of 12 field goals attempted. That's an hour, that's 41.7% as compared to Jason Chaffetz. 6 of 11, 54.5% So obviously the kicking game left something to be desired. But nonetheless, kind of a down year for BYU in 1988. But as we have acknowledged, 86, 87, 88, kind of a lull for BYU after some absolutely stellar seasons. Well, the good times are about to come back for BYU in 1989, 90, and 91, and we're going to talk about those in the coming episodes this week on the podcast. The era of Ty Detmer is here; it's going to be a lot of fun to chronicle all of it. And we'll get to 1989 on tomorrow's show. All right, coming up here in just a minute, we'll talk some BYU basketball. What I expect to be a pretty high-profile commitment coming today, we'll explain here in just a moment. Today's podcast is brought to you by our good friends over at Bet Online. It is the fastest and the easiest way to bet on. All of your sports action. Of course, Major League Baseball season is in full swing. The NBA Finals continue to roll on. By the way, they've been absolutely thrilling. No matter which is one to bet on, MMA, UFC action, golf, futures odds, and college or NFL football. It's all available over at our friends at Bet Online. Go to their website, BetOnline.ag. Sign up for a free account now. By the way, and while you're there, take advantage of the special offer they have for our listeners right here on Locked On Cougars, and that is their 50% welcome bonus. Whatever you deposit the first time at BetOnline.ag. You'll get 50% of it added for free. It's a great way to have some fun with some free money to bet with at betonline.ag. Promo code locked on when you get there to betonline.ag. Make that first deposit, and you can take advantage of all the different offers available to you guys in addition to that one by going to betonline.ag once again. It's all courtesy of BetOnline as they are your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, before we get to the basketball here and round out this Monday edition of the show, just to, uh, for an example, that 57-28 to 28 blowout win for Utah, how stunning was it? Well, BYU had beaten Utah nine straight years at that point, had won 15 of the past 16 games against the Utes. The Cougars were 8-2 and two and on their way to their 11th straight bowl appearance, while the Utes were just 5-5 five and five in the midst of their 24th straight bowl-less season, but you know what? The Utes absolutely handed it to the Cougars. Credit to Scott Mitchell, a guy from Utah County who really laid it to his hometown team. And, man, just a crazy, crazy game. Uh, Utah had 581 total yards, 28 first downs. Mitchell passed for 384 yards and two touchdowns, set several school records in the win. Eddie Johnson had four touchdowns. Just, it was one of the things, more stunning results in uh, The entire run of the BYU-Utah rivalry, just that one, considering everything that had happened before it, but BYU get back to winning against Utah in 89, uh, featured one of the biggest blowouts in, well, in, franchise history, not franchise history, program history for the Cougars, especially when it comes to the Holy War rivalry. All right, on to basketball notes now, though. I am fully expecting today that BYU will finish out their uh, recruiting period for the upcoming season as they are expected to receive a commitment from Seneca Knight, a transfer from LSU by way of San Jose State, a former third-team All-Mountain West Conference player for the Spartans before spending essentially a cup of coffee a semester at LSU in basketball and Rouge. I'm expecting Seneca Knight to commit to BYU. I know that other people have probably been saying this around the internet, but everything I'm hearing over the weekend is that his visit to BYU this past week went absolutely phenomenal, and he is fully expected to commit to be a Cougar. What I love about Seneca Knight is he's the tailor-made fit for what BYU is looking for. A 6 six-foot-seven swingman capable of playing the 2-3 and three position in a small ball lineup absolutely could play the 4, and a guy who's capable of creating his own shot. He has not shot the ball at an extremely high clip in terms of his percentages during his playing career, but that's something I think BYU believes they can help him out with. The one question mark about Seneca White, Seneca Knight, not Seneca White, Seneca Knight is: Will he be eligible immediately? Because he's already transferred once, so in essence, he's already used up his free transfer. But I can tell you this much: Everything the NCAA is doing right now, I have no reason to believe that they're going to draw a line in the sand here with Seneca Knight and say, "You know what, son? You can't transfer from LSU to BYU or not." about that. I would fully expect he gets that waiver approved and he will be a Cougar this coming fall and I think this is a great pickup. This is like the perfect pickup if you're a BYU fan. If you were looking at the roster and what they needed, they needed a swing man who had some athleticism could defend at a high level, especially on the opposing team's bigs and wings, especially when they like to step out to that three point line. But in addition to that, a guy who's more than capable of creating his own shot. That's what they got in Seneca Knight. You don't find all conference honoree players just hanging out there in the transfer portal very often. But that's what BYU got from Seneca Knight and I truly believe he will be a fantastic addition to the BYU basketball program. I think he's a tailor-made fit for what Mark Pope and company want to have and I think the biggest thing is here is that BYU understands what their limitations were last year. They had a small backcourt. There's no doubt about it. Alex Marcelo was a first-team All-WCC honoree but his backcourt running mate Brandon Averett was not a very big Big dude. They needed to get bigger especially on the wing. That's what Seneca Knight does for them and that's what I like about what they're doing here in this roster building process. And by the way, this is going to be more of the mold of what what to expect from Mark Pope and his squads going forward. Going to have teams where they're going to bring in guys off the street when it comes to the transfer portal. Uh, we've already heard John Lucas say he's looking at this as a as a business trip for him, as a, what, a six month business trip to Provo to play hoops. I think that Seneca Knight probably looks at it the same way. They're not guys who are necessarily uh, coming to BYU because of what BYU stands for. That's probably part of it, but that's not the big selling point. The big selling point for these guys is you only have a limited amount of time left in your playing career. You want to get those extra reps. You want to get that film. You want to play for a high-level program. Well, that's what we can offer you guys. If you come out here and enjoy the atmosphere, that's great, but we understand that you're coming here to play hoops. Live by the rules, obviously. You have to make sure that they're going to be abiding by the honor code. That's something that BYU will not negotiate on. But the good news is I think BYU understands what they are, what they're looking for. And I think that these players coming in, whether it's a T. John Lucas, who's already committed to BYU, already here in Provo, or in this case, what I expect, Seneca Knight announcing that today, by the time you listen to this, may have already announced that. I expect that he will be coming to BYU looking at this saying, you know what, this is my chance to get some extra film, bolster my chances of playing at a high level, playing at the uh, professional level, whether it's the NBA, et cetera, moving forward. But I think this is a great pickup for Seneca Knight. I think it's a great pickup for BYU. pick up for Seneca Knight. A great decision for Seneca Knight to be a BYU Cougar because this is going to give him a huge platform to build off of and looking forward to seeing how he fits in with the Cougars. So once again, by the time you listen to this, he may have already committed so understand that I'm recording this the night before, uh, but everything I've heard all weekend long is that he will be a BYU Cougar, speaking of Seneca Knight and looking forward to that as we continue to look at BYU in the f- upcoming basketball season. It's crazy to think it's as quick, coming as quickly as it is, but You know what? It's fun all the same. It's fun to have football here. It's fun to have basketball on its way back. It's fun to just have sports in general coming back, and that's what we love here. All right, that's going to do it for this edition of the podcast. A big thank you once again for you guys' support. As always, it's an absolute privilege and an honor to talk BYU sports with you guys. I hope you guys are finding it, that you guys like this show, especially if you're new to the show. Please leave us a rating and review, especially on Apple Podcasts. We need that. But in addition to that, follow us on social media, Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, Search out Locked On Cougars. Love when you guys interact with the show, especially on social media. And always feel free to reach out via email as well. LockedOnBYU at gmail.com is the email address. All right, that's it. That is the show. Hope you guys are all doing great wherever you might be. This has been the Locked On Cougars podcast for July 19th, 2021. And we will talk to you guys tomorrow.